MCW mourns the loss of Al Albert. Al was a familiar face and voice to MCW fans, serving as ring announcer through much of the company's history. His ring announcing career began in the 90s in the Mid-Eastern Wrestling Federation. He was also co-host of Pro Wrestling Weekly and the internationally syndicated WrestleTalk America. Al's accomplishments were formally recognized when he was inducted into the MCW Hall of Fame in 2012. Our thoughts and our prayers are with his family and friends during this difficult time. everybody you know what time it is it's tuesday at eight so it's time for another edition of the mcw cast i'm legacy mcw announcer larry legend i'm mcw promoter dan mcdevitt and i'm tara and we are here for episode 10 made it to double digits here, guys. i had no doubts i had no doubts that we were going to 10 and beyond you know with the mcw cast and what a guest we had last week yeah it was different huh it was the most different guest that I think we've ever had. Um, as far as being a, a profile, I mean, Leo's got a lot of followers, but this this young lady, politician, Kim Clasing, blew him even out of the water as far as a profile guest uh, having her join yeah, us. absolutely. Well, she really kind of burst on the scene, got herself over. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, I, I, there's a lot of correlation between politics and pro wrestling and real life and pro wrestling in general. Um, maybe that's just me, but I've always kind of, my whole life, I think everything in life kind of, um, is a work. Is, yeah, yeah. Everything is a work. So some of our guests, um, some of our guests watching last week brought up the fact that her style in that promo video, you know, in her uh, video where she's walking through the streets was, you know, kind of keeping it old school, like wrestling and, you know, putting the, the feet feet to the pavement and putting out those flyers and, you know, really getting the town behind you. And that's kind of what she did. Well, if that, and that's one of the things that, <clears throat> that's one of the things that just jumped out at me and, and probably because we are obviously all from Baltimore. So she was maybe featured here in Baltimore because she was running for an office, mm -hmm. um, a seat, a, a seat in the house of representatives here in, in the Baltimore area. Maybe we saw more, maybe she would showcase more, but um, it just, not just jumped out at me like how different her marketing was for herself. Um, and obviously when the, the president of the United States at the time shared her, but how hard she worked because um, my whole family's from Catonsville. I grew up in Catonsville. All my friends are in Catonsville. So that was Catonsville's, Catonsville, Maryland's part of the district um, for the seat that she was running in. And she was just out there, man. Mm -hmm. She really worked not, she didn't just depend. She had such a, social media presence but she really was just like wrestling she was out like mm -hmm. paying her dues man she worked hard um to try to win that seat and and busted her butt so that's all that kind of is what stood out to me what made me kind of admire her and then a, a mutual friend of hers, ours uh john minidakis mm -hmm. is the one that connected us and i was like hey man I, i'd love to actually have a conversation with her and John hooked it up. So, yeah, she definitely did. She worked hard. Yeah, it was interesting reading some of the comments um, during last week's broadcast from our fans, and they brought up not just her style of approaching, you know, the town like that, but also brought up 
you know, the classic heel baby face rivalry in wrestling, you know, that she's representing one half of the establishment. And of course, you know, then you have the other side and, and she, that really came through in speaking with her last week. You know what else came through? And I just want to call this out. Uh, you know, at the onset of the interview with Kim Klasik, I said, I think we're going to get a lot of different attention. Maybe some of the most attention we've ever gotten with any one of our guests. And she thanked me for that, but she says, I don't believe it, but thank you. Well, I got to tell you, as nasty as the world of professional wrestling can be towards, you know, personalities, uh, you know, in our walks of life, we've heard some really nasty things, you know, thrown in our direction if we're a heel or a baby face. The world of politics is just as down and dirty. Because Probably worse. Yeah, I mean, exactly, because, you know... Our fans, and this is not to speak disrespectfully to any of you that are watching and listening and participating, but our fans have generally been on the very kind and and loving side on Ask MCW Cast. If there's ever an Ask MCW Cast or saying something to you and I, I saw some of the nastiest comments when we weren't doing anything but just promoting her appearance. Before the episode even aired, just her appearance. And I that's that's what I was thinking. I was like, you know what? You're gonna bring a lot of dissenting voices out of the woodwork, just because, you know, they see your your picture, they know you're high profile. Oh, let's dig at her a little deeper here on Twitter sure. or Facebook or, you know, during the comments. And, and like Tara said, heel and babyface is a perfect... The, the crazy thing about politics, that what blows me away mm-hmm. on the outside looking in, is um, like Tara said, heel and babyface, but it depends on... What side of the aisle you're on? Who's the heel and who's the baby face? <laughs> right. Like, let's right. be honest. Like, yeah. there's some to some people on the more Republican side, they're the baby faces, and the Democrats the heel. Mm-hmm. And if you're Democrats, they're the baby face, and the Republicans are heel. And they're equally as nasty yeah. to each other. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's really mean. I mean, really, really mean on a. You know, so you're right. I saw some of them too in comments. Yeah. So I'm just like, but now geez. we also got comments that were the exact opposite. Right. We got comments saying great nonpartisan discussion, mm, you know, yeah, that kind of like thing. So one. exactly. So we really did try to present it. You know, we we were here to draw the correlation between politics and wrestling without really stirring the proverbial pot, right. so to speak. And know? obviously, people we understand politics. For some people, it gets them upset and they take it personal and. We kind of try to not put our political, just, but that's what the intent was, really, to kind of draw the correlation between, you know, professional wrestling and politics or anything in general in real life, so. Yeah, you know. because they're married, and with that said, if you didn't get a chance to catch episode 9 of the MCW cast, everybody knows you can catch us every Tuesday live at 8 on Facebook, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Stitcher. Uh, all of Pocket our different Pocket Cast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, all of our, yeah, all of our different different platforms, and we appreciate that. But go on back to the Kim Classic episode nine, like it, share it, let everybody know how you know partisan of a conversation you thought it was, or how interesting it was to le- learn a little bit more about someone that's actively in politics and making an impact. And if you're watching on Facebook right now, go ahead and share share the feed. Heck yeah. I like that kind of talk. And don't forget that hashtag, AskMCWCast. And uh, just to throw it on out there, you can follow me at BLKLKP. Dan, what's your handle again? Danny, at Danny McDevitt. Tara? At MCW Tara. Yeah. So interact with us. I would love to be able to establish us as the most interactive podcast out there because we're talking to our Greg Papalukases. We're talking to our Dr. D's and all of our, our fans, our homegrown fans. And, and we want to continue to hear from you even into now, episode 10. Right, and we got uh, 
This is a, a first for MCW cast, a couples episode. I like the sound of that. That's right. We do have a couple uh, that is <laughs> both, you know, involved in our world of professional wrestling and quite involved with one another. So we're going to be looking forward to talking to them. Well, you're going to... You gonna let us know who it is? Absolutely, it's uh, our very own MCW rep Becky and Nick Camarado. Very good. After the break. All right. See you then. And we're back, and we got our guests in studio with us. Welcome, Nick. Welcome, Becky. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> good to have our our yeah. first couples episode. Indeed. Our first couples episode. Look, I I gotta say something, rep. Becky's obviously been with us. She started with us. But I got to say, as a promoter, doing this 25 years or so, to Nick, honest to God, this I'm probably going to ruin his gimmick. <laughs> but this guy is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my life. Um, not just in professional wrestling, but I've always thought that about Nick. It's the first thing I think of. Um, just a really, really nice guy. I'm sorry if I ruined your gimmick. <laughs> If I'm, like, in, like, day-to-day life, if I was anything but the nicest guy, like, look at me. I would just terrify and scare and just be considered, like, this, like, terrible person. <laughs> Don't you guys agree? I mean, that's what I've always nice thought guy, about yeah. Nick. That's what I think of a Nick. Like, man, what a nice guy that dude is. What a nice human being. I guess I see what you're saying, that, uh, you know, a generation or so ago, you would look like, kind of like a pit fighter. Uh, you know, with the, with the look and feel of what you give in day to day, so you gotta kind of put on that niceness to make sure people aren't thinking, "Wow, this guy's gonna rip my head off if uh, I cut I cut him off on the freeway or whatnot." And Nick, you recently you signed? Did you sign with AEW? Um, not totally. Like, right? I still don't have the is all elite. I'm currently a part of the Nightmare family, and just like you know, I'm constantly getting invited back down. But you're getting great reviews on matches and everything, yeah. Yes, I am. And yeah. Oh, so, so I thought I did see a graphic that said Nick Camarado is all elite. Was that a fan made? Or I um, thought I saw that. I'm pretty sure it's fan made because I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I'm I'm in the Nightmare family, and that was the announcement. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Right on. Excellent. Well, well congratulations to you on that. Was it Moxley? John Moxley was, it, I guess... I heard a lot of buzz about a match a couple weeks ago. Mm. Was it the Moxley match? It was the Moxley match. Like as of late, like I've just been wrestling on AEW Dark, and just my first match was actually with Darby Allen, and that got a lot of buzz. Right, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, it, it's AEW Dark, and I'm constantly on AEW Dark and getting good reviews. But then again, it's the YouTube show, right? My, but still, they get a lot of it gets a lot of views. The AEW yeah, Dark, it does. yeah, yeah, it, it gets it. a lot of viewership. I get a lot of people asking for me, but AEW Dynamite has a lot of viewers like as well, like that don't watch AEW Dark. So, right, my first like appearance on there was a match with Moxley, and it was um it was right at the turn of the hour, and then like I just appeared out of nowhere, and everybody's going like, "Who is this guy?" And luckily, I look like I what I do, and just that's. Yeah, it blew up. <laughs> right. Well, tell us, Nick, Brett, because uh, hey, tell us how you got your start, how you kind of got into wrestling. Well, um, back when I was, uh, I guess, six years old, uh, my I had a couple friends who lived right down the street from me. I, I was over their house every day. Like, his name was Steve. He had an older brother named Johnny. They had a poster 
which was for WrestleMania 14. It was Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, and Mike Tyson in the middle. And I was like, what is that? And they just keep talking about how big it was and all that. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, all my friends in town are just watching wrestling. We we would all gather over, like, like mainly that one friend Steve's house to watch the pay-per-views. I wasn't allowed to stay up late enough to watch Raw, but then my parents bought me a little VCR, and, like, I had the blank tapes. So I would always tape Raw, and then, I, like... And then right after that, WrestleMania 14 was, that's what I knew what I wanted to do. And, and how old were you then? Uh, six years old. Six wow, years so old. 1998, you were six. Don't, <laughs> don't, I, listen, when people tell us, when people come on here, we have people on here, I go through this, at like every episode, like, do you ever hear when they say they got into wrestling and I go, oh my God, I'm old. Yeah, <laughs> you and me both? Because I was watching, I was watching, I was watching wrestling before WrestleMania one. Oh, I mean, ninety-eight. You know, that's a couple years before we joined. Yeah, I was watching wrestling. I turned seven like right around there. That's why I'm like being weird with age. I took like my birthday is April twelfth, so it's like, like was that the beginning of April? Was it March? What? I don't remember the exact date of WrestleMania fourteen. So I just feel old. Yeah, whether you're six or seven, we. Yeah. So you knew from a young age that this is what you wanted to do. Now tell me, with your friends, did you like make cardboard belts? Did you put on, sh you know, little matches in the, in your friends' basements? We had trampolines. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. I like. Uh, there, there was this kid. His name was Jim Warsh. He was the first one to have a trampoline, and we all had our like matches in there. He had like the the cage around the trampoline too. Uh huh. Then eventually, like, I kept begging my parents. That's why I want for Christmas. I want, and they're like, okay. So then I became the kid in town with the trampoline. And uh, I was a bigger kid. I grew up like, I was the fat kid. Uh, I the trampoline broke. So then we got another trampoline. And then we found parts to fix the first trampoline. So like I, I became like, everybody started coming to me because I had two trampolines right next to each other. <laughs> and then like, so we would do high flying moves from one trampoline over oh, to the wow. other. And just like I, we called it TSW. I it wasn't a cardboard belt. I had a it was a toy WWE belt, mm -hmm. but like I cover I colored it like silver, and then I put like a picture of like the trampoline. Like I took one with a what are they called the Polaroids, and I cut it out perfectly. I put it on there, and then I I made a logo. Like it it looked legit. Aww, I, that's I met, awesome. I wish I still had that belt because I have pictures hanging. from this time period. <laughs> I would have to look it up. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure great. my parents do. That's great. Well, you know, trampoline wrestling, there's like a whole big thing. You can, yeah. There's lots of, there's, I, I never, looked at I never some of the channels it. on YouTube. There's trampoline championship wrestling. There's all different ones. I yeah. wish I would have. When we, when I was kids, we, we, we had like these trees that we wrapped garden hose around in our backyard. <laughs> and I would get, we, I got, I got my head busted open a couple times from getting like DDT'd on a tree root. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the the trampoline wrestling that came around years later was safer. Uh, yeah, well, much safer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about I, I didn't wrestle in the backyard, but I broke every couch that we had because I would constantly try to jump onto it from the sofa, and that was it. <laughs> Becky, how old were you, when were you when you got? Because obviously you were you trained here at the MCW Training Center, mm -hmm. but what was it? Were you into wrestling too when you were younger? Oh my gosh. Um, so as a kid, the Saturday night main events, mm. like back in the 80s. Yeah. So like we would schedule like events around then. So if there was like a carnival in town, but there was also the Saturday night main event, we didn't go to the carnival. Like, no, 
We don't have a VCR. We weren't we weren't rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, Saturday Night Main Event, I think we bought it up on one of the uh, earlier editions oh, of the cast. Yeah. It used to be a big deal yeah. with free up Saturday Night Live, and it was kind of like, you know... Yes. This is a special, and they would have all the ads leading up to it. Don't forget Saturday night's main event this Saturday on NBC or whatever. Oh my god! It was. I yeah. still watch it now as an adult, and I still feel like that little girl because, like, yeah. I don't know, Bret Hart will come out, and I'll just start screaming, oh, and man, I'm they like, were the best. yeah, I'm like, screaming. My sister and my and, mom definitely. And then when they did the Friday night special, the main yeah. event that oh, yeah. was even better. Indeed, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, <laughs> I, I blew off a date that a girl that my a, a double date, and like my buddy in high school, Chad. Um, was livid with me because there were these two pretty girls and he was trying to, we were trying to go out, but I told him, he thought I was kidding all week, like we're going out with these girls. And I was like, no, man, the mega powers and the twin towers. <laughs> right. And I, he was like, no. And then all week and he made the plans and then it came to like Friday in school and he's like, I'll pick you up. And I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> right? you won't go. He's like, what? And I'm like, brother, it's the mega power. And he was serious. He showed up at my house, and I'm at my mom's house with Macho Man glasses on and my Macho Man shirt. And and he's like, you're kidding, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. I didn't go to the date. Like, I think our like friendship ended over it because he was like, you're kidding me? Well, you're not going out with these chicks? And I'm like, oh, yeah, the only girl I'm going out with is Elizabeth. You know, right now, tonight on the main event. You know, I know you're telling the truth because your first, serious. your first wedding took place in a ring at Michael Bay Avenue. Serious. So, like, when it comes to, like, you know, the whole romance, it's got to be tied to wrestling for yeah. Yeah, so that was it, man. The Friday night main event specials, man, they were the best. Yeah. The best. How about you, Nick? Who were some of your favorites? I mean, I know you mentioned Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, and Austin being on that poster, but when you when you really started getting into it, who was who had you hooked to watching the show all the time? Well, this was like like the first event was WrestleMania fourteen, which was Shawn's last match for a while. I got into him a little bit later because, like, you know, the drugstore near us, like, you could rent the videotapes. Mm -hmm. and, like, I was watching a lot of his stuff from, like, 95. But uh, I'm trying to think what. I, I worshipped Kane when I, was a, when I was a kid. Like, I'm trying to think who were my favorites. I, I loved Kane. I loved Triple H. Mm -hmm. Like, my, my friend Steve loves Stone Cold. And I go, like, I, I can't because that's his guy. So, yeah. I, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I hate to tell you, but I put him in handcuffs. <laughs> he broke the law he touched Mr. McMahon and he went to jail where he belonged lucky you were there to officiate that yeah, day Mr. McMahon was lucky I was there to take care of business but it, it was such a different environment I was 7 years old and like you know every night I get to watch these uh, this guy like flip off his boss and then like it was like thinking like I, I go on the network now and I watch it I go mm -hmm. wow this is like very raunchy like Compared to what it is now, like, and it was so, it was extremely entertaining. Like, that's what hooked me as a kid. Like, you want to know something interesting, real quick? I see you're about to, to interject here, Dan. But if you actually had those tapes from that time, it actually is a lot raunchier if you actually caught the program and recorded it than what they have on the network now. Oh, did they cut a lot? Of oh my gosh! Yeah, absolutely. And I have, I, I was a little older than you around the time that you got into it. I was around eighteen. Um, and I recorded every episode of Raw um, on tape, and I yeah, still that have content it. was. I mean, it's I don't I don't even know if they could air that content in today's culture the way it is. Like when Gold Dust dressed up like the baby, 
Do you remember that? Oh, they, Stone... they, gold dust would be canceled. Yeah. <laughs> gold dust would completely be canceled. Just in a drag, a yeah. sable, all of that stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, Becky, how about you? Who, who were some of your real favorites that hooked you in uh, early on when you and your family used to watch Saturday Night's Main Event? I loved Bret Hart. Because like, as a kid, he wore pink. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, I love him. And the first show that I came here, <laughs> first show I came here was in 2014. Is that what got you here? Was it Bret yeah, Hart? Yeah, because <laughs> somebody that I was dating heard it on the radio. So he got me tickets. Uh -huh. So we came, and I was shaking. Like, <laughs> I thought I could never feel that. You know, like, nervousness uh -huh. and, like, wanting to, like, throw up. And every time I saw him, I was just, I felt like I was going to pass out. And when I finally got to him, I had like a whole speech in my head. I was going to be like, oh, you're my favorite growing up, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. Once you locked eyes, I started crying. And I, said, <laughs> you really? I love you. <laughs> Is it? No, uh, did you realize? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it just goes, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> you weren't like seven. Like, you're like a <laughs> That's how you found out about us. Yeah. And, yeah. and I ended up staying. And. Like, when I went in there and I, and I watched, and I didn't know anything about MCW. I didn't know, like, you know, good guys, bad guys, none of the storyline. What's great about MCW is you didn't need to. Like, you guys clearly showed who was good and who was bad. Mm -hmm. And I got caught up in it. Like, I'm up at, like, people had to pull me back because I started going to, like, I didn't realize there was, like, seats that were prepaid or whatever. Oh. I'm trying to get to the barricade. And I'm like, no! <laughs> Ma'am, you need to go back to your seat. I'm yeah. Like, ah! <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that whole, you never lose that. Like, I joke, but uh, I would, like, a big, big mark for Sting. Mm -hmm. um, so when we had him here in 2015, you know what I mean? And I'm doing, I'm, I was, like, a little kid in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, I'm doing business with Sting, but I'm, like, he's standing there ready to go out and talk to the, talk to the, uh, <laughs> talk to the people. And I'm thinking, man, like, I wonder what he'd do if I just schoolboyed him. <laughs> <laughs> I was, too. So you never did. I was, like, thinking I'm doing business with Sting, and I'm, like, oh, it's Sting, you know. So, yeah, you, I think as a wrestling fan, when you're passionate about it, like, you always kind of have that, um, you know, that. You always kind of have that feeling, I guess, especially for the people that yeah uh, that maybe you're kind of like always mystified, you know. Right? Mystified, Even, is a good and word. that's yeah. the great thing about indie wrestling, though, is that you couldn't have gone up to Bret Hart at a WWE show mm -hmm. and gotten to have that interaction. You know, that's what we bring that nobody else is going to is where you can actually meet these people and talk to them and. You know, cry. yeah, and cry and profess your undying love to them. I mean, whatever you know, some people just go for an autograph. You know, you profess love. I mean, it it just works whatever way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the neat thing that you know is is something special about indie wrestling. If you've never been to an indie wrestling show, you know we're gonna have them again soon, one day. So it's coming sooner rather than later. Exactly. So when you came to that show, you didn't know anything about MCW. Is that then? Did you? Had you thought about getting into wrestling before that, or not at all? Not like, at all, I right. hate to say that I was like oblivious to all of this because I only knew like WWE, WWF. You know, like I was really into that as a kid. When it got to the um, the late '90s, the Attitude Era, I kind of fell away from that because I thought I thought it was too raunchy. 
wow, really? That's yeah. a surprise because that's when it got really <laughs> yeah, hot. I, I yeah, I should have been in like the age bracket that I loved it, but I thought it was it was too raunchy, and I'm like, bring back, you know, Dwight the Clown, yeah, the godly gooker. That's like, really interesting. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin and DX. Where the hell is Dwight the Clown and Mantar? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 right. Well, it's it's, a diff- it's a indicative of a different time, you know. Um, the internet was just starting to take off in '98, '99. It was really starting to. The World Wide Web was affecting everyone. Like, uh, it was all about... It all, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we got you. So, uh, it was a complete reflection on the culture, because, like, as I said, they were going after, like, Jerry Springer. And, like, mm-hmm. look what, like, the hottest TV show was at that time. It was South Park. South Park, absolutely. And, like, yeah. It was a complete reflection on the, on the culture. And what do you know? Like, they're getting the greatest ratings they ever had, like, at that point. Like, that's what hooked me. I was yeah. I remember hearing, like, in a documentary about PlayStation, they, like, when they tried to market it, they go, like, how do we want this? They go, like, what kind of age bracket do you want to be? They kept saying 19, because when you're young, you want to be, like, 19. When you're older than 19, you want to be 19 again. That's true. So they they picked 19 as the perfect age, and I, like, and, like, yeah, and I believe that's what, like, the whole raunchiness with TV was, like, mm-hmm. based at, because... So someone who's twenty five might be a little bit too mature for that, but like somebody who's younger, like they think that's funny. When some, when somebody's nineteen, they're still young and they still find that like funny and entertaining. And yeah. Just... So you at that at that point, then I guess what did you look into us and then see that there is a school that you can train to do this and go. So during intermission, I can't remember the guy you had as a ring announcer, Al Albert. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. he's such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He Double has... A. He announced that there was a school there. Look at that, Dan. And there you I, go. I'm real Shout compulsive. Shout out to Albert. Yeah. I'm real <laughs> compulsive. So I wanted to be like, take my money, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, Becky, give yourself a month. If you can't stop thinking about this after a month, I'll let you go pay for this. <laughs> and then on Facebook, you guys put out that it was like a special for Christmas. Like, you knocked it off like $500. And I'm like, well, there's my sign. <laughs> yeah. And I actually came and talked to you. You were the one that right. I came and talked to. And I like to investigate what I'm putting my money into, so I actually really researched you, and I found, like, all your old matches. I don't know if you remember this, but at the end of our talking, because you're just like, you know, some you know, wrestling could be for some people, can be for not, because I was military at the time. And you're like, you know, some people do it for fun as a hobby, some people take it as a, you know, a career. He's like, but if you're um, military, because you also had Rob, he was military too, like it's fine you know not a lot of people like make it to the big you can just stay here and, and have have your fun and you're like so do you have any questions and i was like no corporal punishment i don't <laughs> i was like but i want to tell you some history about you i started talking to you about your matches just to let you know that i i knew about you and about cw but I, I, when I'm signing people up, I, I think I do more to try to talk people out of actually signing up. I, I try to be really upfront about the business. You are. And You're how very, tough it is. very honest. Very you honest. You know, um, I don't try to sell anybody on that dream, and also like try to be really clear with them about. This is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. No matter what people say about it, no matter what, I don't care what anyone says about. Oh, it's a work. It's I hate the f word, obviously. Um, but it, it is really the hardest thing you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you, after you decided like, and kind of changed paths from wrestling and, and gave refereeing a shot, mm-hmm. which was definitely your calling. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've told you like a phenomenal referee referee is, is in a different way where maybe not, it's not as physical, but mentally, 
I could never be a good referee. Like it's very mentally, it's just mentally challenging mm-hmm. to be a good ref. Yeah, good um, one. So yeah. everything about it, no matter what direction you head in wrestling, it's gonna you know just making it is is one of the toughest things I think you do. But Nick, it sounds like you like knew right from when you were young, and you just pursued like you knew this was what you were gonna do. So I based like a lot of my life of. I'm going to be a pro wrestler. Is it going to benefit me in pro wrestling in the future? Like, I got into amateur wrestling, like, when I was really younger. And, uh, like, it's because, like, they'll be talking about this guy being a college All-American wrestler. This guy. So, like, I like that's my goal. And since I can't be involved in, like, any pro wrestling right now, like, that's what I'm going to do. I was a fat kid. So, I got, I got my ass kicked for years. Years. And, like, I just remember coming home just being all scuffed up because... I was a heavyweight at, like, 13 years old and just getting demolished by, like, you know, the 16-year-old with a beard. And then just, um, then going into high school, I lost all the weight, finally. It came right back on over the years. But, like, then I entered in high school, and, like, I I did have some skills in amateur wrestling at that point, but there was, like, an opening for, like, the starting varsity spot. I clearly wasn't ready. So I cut a whole bunch of weight, and I'm... Like, I made the weight class, and that was probably the most brutal beatdown I've gotten, like, for an entire year. Uh, my freshman year of high school, I went 7 and, like, 28, just getting destroyed by, like, upperclassmen. And then, uh, just, I couldn't really take that, so I just, I locked myself in a gym. While everybody was out, like, partying, socializing, you know, having fun, I was in a gym. And at the end of my freshman year, I was able to outlift the entire football team, the entire school. You know, besides this one kid who was also a freshman. I can probably get into that story a little bit later. But, um, you know, I just kept getting going at it and going at it. Then my senior year, I surpassed everybody. There was this other kid on a team that was, like, supposedly my friend and all that. And just I remember he was having jealous fits because I was the one going to states. I was the one who was winning districts. I was the one doing... And, like, you know, I was the one, like, guy who accomplished anything on the team. Then I go to college. And, again, it's just going to, I'm going there and getting my ass kicked by, like, top-ranked guys. I went to this place called Gloucester County College. And I always called it, like, the South Jersey All-Star Team because amateur wrestling is a little rough compared to other sports. Like, if a football player, and if you were a football player and you did good, like, you get some kind of scholarship to some school. If you're just good in wrestling and not the absolute best, you're not getting a scholarship anywhere. So a lot of these people, they go to the like community college first. And the one community college that was like all of like South Jersey, there was some Philly, there was some North Jersey, was Gloucester County College. And like we were one, we were the, like the top, probably the second place non-scholarship school and all of that. So I went in there with the state runner-up and I wrestled them every day and just getting roughed up and... Eventually, I'm not getting roughed up, and eventually, I'm beating him. Then, then my so then my sophomore year, I took seventh in the nation, and then like I, I go like, oh my god, I accomplished what I wanted. It's community college, but like you, you can you you can cross off community when you're announcing me. Uh, hey, it, I it teach at community college. It's college, okay? Um, so, <laughs> Give it respect. <laughs> and what got me into like, and then what I, where I found the school like. The train was actually, it was nearby me. I was, like, looking at that school for a little while, but uh, 
my coach takes uh, takes me to the side, and I just like he knows how, like everybody knows that pro wrestling was my dream. That's what I want to do. He points out that there was one other college all American that like became a pro wrestler. He runs a school, and the guy's name was Larry Sharp. Oh wow! And uh, he runs this place called the Monster Factory. Yeah, we know. And, um, <laughs> so like. It goes, so, like, they tell me this place in Belmar. I go there. It was called the OTW Monster Factory. Eventually, it was just OTW. I was there for, like, two and a half years of just spinning my wheels and, like, not learning the proper stuff. And it was, like, it was very, like, you're not allowed to branch out. Like, you have to be stuck here. Like, then eventually I found a way to get out of there. I find the actual Monster Factory. I sign up there. And it was kind of like, you know, Larry Sharp, I met him like twice. And, but there was two very, very good coaches there where I feel like I've learned so much. And that was the one, the first one was Damian Priest, who's like, who's now becoming a star because finally somebody, somebody, somebody Mm -hmm. took a look at him and goes like, oh crap. And the (laughs) other was uh, QT Marshall. And I owe so much to him for like everything he's done for me. And just, I've, I've been through wrestling with a lot of years and you can tell I'm not like a very social person. So like, I know when I'm getting bull, like, like BS, I want getting BS, but like, I I don't know what I can do about it. And it's just like, they call it carnying and pro like, and I'm just hearing it. And like, again, I'm, I go, like, how do I branch out to this indie? Uh, okay, cool. I'll call, oh, okay, cool. We'll, we'll talk it over on Wednesday. And then, like, I go on Wednesday, and the guy doesn't show up to help me. We're like, you know, I try to hop in a car with a bunch of people and go to a show. And he goes, like, oh, you did that without permission? I'm like, you're in trouble. I'm like, really? I just went to a show. on a, And then, like, so then I'll ask him for permission. And he goes, oh, no, we have training that day. And then, like, okay, he opens up the doors. It's me and two other guys. And then he just leaves. And then it's just like... It was, I felt very trapped, but like, and then you have QT Marshall comes up to me and he's just brutally honest with me, dead honest. And I go like, this guy is amazing. Mm-hmm. And again, he's probably one of the most like underrated, like skilled wrestlers. And then just, I'm pretty sure they all realize that in AEW over there. Yeah, obviously he's doing great for himself. Wow, that's awesome. Well, we want to hear a little bit more about some of those earlier training days and as your training progressed, which got you to where you are now. And um, also want to talk to Becky about how um, her training here then branched out into some other opportunities as well. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll hear the answers to those questions and more. So stay tuned. All right, and we are back with Nick and Becky. And before we took our break, we were talking about uh, places that you've trained. And Nick, you were telling us about uh, going to the other Monster Factory and uh, the influences there, and how uh, it was a better situation for you. So, did they have? Do we? Do they have like a fake Monster Factory? Is that what it was? No, it was like um, the the original school. Like the original school was that place in Belmar, but it was associated with another place. And then, uh, like somebody bought the the name Monster Factory off of Larry Sharp and started, like, his own thing. You said something, and I, I, I never knew, and, and um, I never knew that Larry Sharp was an All-American. He was? Yes. He was an All-American. I never knew that. Larry so, I, my story, like, I actually went, when I was, you know, so I met Larry a bunch of times. I 
I'm a little bit older than you. Back when I was 17, 18, I was driving up to New Jersey a couple times, and I did tryouts. And at the time, Glenn Ruth was the trainer, headbanger, thrasher. Um, but he was wrestling on the Indies as the spider then. And uh, I was all set to go and I was going to drive back and forth a couple times a week to New Jersey. And then I got a, I found a flyer or something. Someone told me that there was a Baltimore Monster Factory, which was Dwayne Gill. And I was like, oh, I was thinking Monster Factory. But it was essentially, he was really just paying Larry Sharp for the name. Right, and yeah. Was, you know, then I, so the wrestling business is a carny business because then I signed up there and paid money and never saw Dwayne. <laughs> Luckily, I, I, I lucked into like Axel and Ian Rotten. Um, beating me up and then deciding they wanted to teach me. But that's why I asked, because there's always, it's such a carny business in so many ways. That's yeah. why I was asking. But I never knew Larry was an All-American amateur wrestler. Well, I didn't yeah, know. I was just like pointed, like, I was pointed out to that like by like one of the wrestling coaches. He would be like, yeah, Larry Wild, Larry Sharp was like a very accomplished amateur wrestler with Foster County as well, and he has a school right around here. I, like, I kind of, like, I had an idea of it, but like just the, like, that felt like, okay, go on ahead and do this. Like, so did you ever meet Larry? You never got to meet Larry? Sean? I met him once. You did, yeah. He was. In, I, I liked him. I met him a bunch of times going mm -hmm. up there. Well, his name is legendary. Like, even <laughs> just hearing his yeah. name, you know, um, we know Larry Sharp. And I actually learned about the Dwayne Gill Monster Factory once I joined them, CW Pro Wrestling Training Academy. And it actually, you kind of were revealing that they were just using the name. They were hooking y'all with the name of the monster totally factory, hooked, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like not even the same affiliation. I mean, it was just like, it was down in Glen Burnie, mm -hmm. it was a um, warehouse with just a ring, and I walked in, when I went up to Larry Sharp, one of the things that hooked me, and um, it's kind of what I, when I opened Bone Breakers, I tried to get, like, walked in Larry Sharp, and it was just like pictures everywhere of all these guys that have made it, and it was just like wrestling memorabilia, so mm -hmm. it was kind of like... Oh man, this is yeah. all you know what I mean. When I walked in, and then when I walked in down in Glen Burnie, Dwayne's just a concrete walls. You know, right? like, <laughs> Berber, I'm thinking back to the office at Bonebreakers, yeah. and you you did that there. Like oh, there yeah, was tons did, of yeah, that on yeah, the yeah, wall, that. Yeah. especially after. Well, because we had no when we first when I opened the doors. Uh, we had no credibility, but as we built that and as we built it with shows and we built our story um, and we built um, our reputation, yeah, I would, I would get memorabilia and pictures and hang it on the walls and that's what I wanted people to see because that's what I remembered me being a kid and walking into a wrestling school. It wasn't just the ring, it was mm -hmm. everything, yeah. you know what I mean? Just uh, so presentation yeah. yeah well Becky I know uh, you trained with us here at MCW Pro um, who were some of the memorable folks that you can remember uh, on, at the onset of your training that uh, positively impact you maybe made you want to not come back is, is there anyone that stands out that you can think about once you once you took that step into training I think the biggest one is the bruiser he's the biggest one um, I think the day that like I got mad at him one day because we had um, I was learning to ref and I kept asking questions, and I felt like I wasn't getting any answers. So then we had um, kind of like a special guest there, and I did a count wrong. They were coming up from a double down, and I didn't quite know when I had to stop counting. So when they both started, like, kind of moving, I stopped, and that person started screaming at me. So I got real mad because those are questions that I was asking. And I don't know whether maybe it was, like, 
you have to kind of have like an initiation, you know, like see how, how much you want it, that if it seems like we don't care, see if you don't care as well. Well, I did care. So I got mad and I walked out and I remember Bruiser walked after me and it's kind of like, the, do you remember the first time you ever like yelled at your dad, like cussed at your dad and you're like, oh God, I just cussed at my dad, you know, <laughs> like he's going to punch me. I got so mad when he came back and asked what was wrong. I started cussing at him. I'm like, oh you know, God. I've been asking, I've been questions like, and, and this person come in and start screaming. Like, I asked this question last week. I was just, like, red in the face. And when I was done, I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to come back. <laughs> you know, like, oh, God, he's going to pick me up. He's going to, like, shit, get me out of here. Show you the door. But he actually looked at me and goes, okay. Yeah. And I, it was, like, the nicest, like, okay he ever gave me. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because at that moment, at that moment, I can tell you, because he was my kid, at that moment, he wanted to teach you everything you wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. Because he realized at that moment that he wasn't going to be wasting his time. Exactly. That's, that's, that's how I felt. Yeah. 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 It's, um, uh, I tell the story and talk like when RJ really wanted to train, I'd tell him like, for me, I would get heartbroken so many times and I would tell him like, you're going to get heartbroken. You're going to get heartbroken by people that you want and you know that they have the ability to make it really far, but they quit. And like that takes a piece of you every time. So like you almost become guarded with your information, mm-hmm. even though you're a it teacher, sense. like you want, you don't, you're like, I don't want to give a piece of me to her mm-hmm. unless she really wants it, mm-hmm. you know? So I could, I, I, you just telling me that story, I can say right there at that moment, RJ was like, all right. Yeah, he was like, well, nice yeah. to me after that. Yeah, like, okay, now, <laughs> now I'm going to teach her. Because she showed, you showed him your passion. At that <laughs> moment, you showed him, like, you want, I want to learn this. Becky, you fired up. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, in yeah. so many words. I remember we pissed him off another night. You and I did training in the ring doing, um, uh, we were doing body slams. Because mm-hmm. that was when I had a couple matches that summer with Mickey, right after she had had her kid. And I hadn't been in the ring in some time. So I was like, I remember telling RJ, I want to do the beginner's class. I want to do it. And that was when you had started training. Remember, he was getting so frustrated with us doing body slam drills. He just walked away, sandbagging every time. Like, and he just muttered. He switched rings and made Dean come over to us. I don't know if you remember this or not. I do remember it. I do remember it. <laughs> and wow. I was just like, and I felt so bad because I'm like, I swear this is this is coming down on me. This is directed at me. And I felt bad because you were new. And I was like, He's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> But I don't know, I just remember that, yeah, so I'm glad that he came around, and he did see, because you had proved yourself by then, and that you did want it. And one of the best investments you guys ever had is having a Keener. He has taught me so, so much, and Jason Cannon. He's one of the best refs, Keener's one of the best refs in wrestling, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, They just, um... Ring of Honor just did their 19 years of 19 great matches, and the first match they showed was low-key versus Christopher Daniels versus the main event of the first ever ROH right. show. And um, Keener was the ref. Yeah. I was I was like, whoa! I mean, I remembered him from the ECW days, the tail end of ECW, but I didn't realize he was the you know, like on that first ROH show, too. So his, yeah, he's so good. He has a career that spans multiple decades, multiple companies, and is still uh, imparting his, his knowledge and, and wisdom onto... You know, us here at MCW Pro and a few yeah, other places. So good. Yeah, so good. In 2018, when I got invited down to do a, a tryout with NXT, it was me and two other refs. Um, we all had to do our own match. It was like a showcase. And I had uh, Cassius Ono, or Chris Hero, and he had a new kid, Stacy. 
And before they went out, he's like, oh, yeah, so there's going to be um, uh, a falsy, and he's going to kick out at, like, 2.99999, and this is his first match. And he walks out. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> nice. And one of the things Keener taught me was if you do hit that three, but they, they come up, you have to really, like, if you don't believe it, the crowd won't believe you. So you got to be big. Like, no, no, that was two. It was so close. Mm -hmm. So when that part came, because I'm like, this is it. He's probably not going to kick out, you know, before I hit my hand. And sure enough, I hit my hand. But I was so mentally prepared for that that when I hit my hand and he kicked out, no, 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 it was so close. So we went into the back. I kid you not. Like, I slid out of my chair when they said this to me. It was uh, Drake, Brewer, uh, Jessica, and Tom Caster. And they were reviewing our matches. And when it got to me, all of them looked at each other and were like, Becky, you did a great job with, with covering that when you actually hit three. In fact, it kind of looked like Keener, right? It looked like Keener. I'm like, no way. I like slid out <laughs> oh, of the chair. Oh, really? That's awesome. I, slid, and I was giggling. Because like, yeah. I was so excited. So then I, I messaged Keener, and all he gave me back was a thumbs up. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like what a great story that is. And it's uh, uh, Brian Danielson. Is, is, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to. I know that you guys are probably butchering me in the chat right now, but it just happened. I wanted to just say that. But yeah. Um, what about you, Nick? Any, any kind of. That's a major accomplishment. I can. Hey, Devin, that feedback. You just fought Moxley on uh, AEW, but it, what was one of those first big accolades once your career got up and running that you can remember uh, where, I don't know, I want to know if you slid out of your chair about it, but like really like kind of like, whoa, uh, this is huge. Anything you can think of? Um, probably when I got that email back after my Dota E tryout. Like, that they uh, were hiring you? Yes. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, I had my trial back in 2000, like, in, like, 2015, September, like, uh, one of your guys was there, uh, we actually shared a car. Um, <laughs> Who, Patrick? Yes. Yeah. So, anyways, like, like, I spent that, how do I say it? it's like, just, I, I knew, it, but like, Jerry Briscoe was putting me in, because he loves the whole amateur wrestling things, and we brought him into like, the Monster Factory to evaluate us and put us in, like. It was actually a part of QT Marshall's documentary and all that. Uh, originally, four of us were going to go. Um, one kid, he, he's actually, he was actually just a kid. He sends Briscoe's information with a bunch of misspellings and all, mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, he's not ready. <laughs> then I have this one really good friend. His name's Billy Damiana. He was actually like a Greco-Olympic alternative and all that. Problem is, he's covered with tattoos and not just tattoos, copyrighted material. Mm -hmm. So there was a there was a picture that went backstage, and this is something I heard about. It's just like it was a picture of me, Matt Riddle, and Billy like next to each other, and like we're, and then Billy's standing there, and he's got the Mortal Kombat logo right here. Um, apparently, somebody goes like, "No, we can't have that," and then just he gets his trial next, and then finally, just something happens with QT, and they're like, "Yeah, we, we like," and they decided not to bring him down. So I ended up going all by myself. And uh, just that entire summer, I was like, this is my one chance. I'm nobody. I am nobody. Nobody knows who I am. So I spent that entire summer ma making sure, like, I did everything crystal clear, perfect. I was in better shape than everybody. And just, like, I just remember that entire summer just beating myself up crazier than ever. And then I go to that tryout, and, like, I felt like I did. 
like I blew everybody up, but like they were telling us to like hype everybody else so that like so I'm doing my drills and then just running circles around everybody. The the episode was actually on this uh, what was it proving ground show they had like they edited it around me because like William Regal's like flipping out at people going like. Uh, how, how hard is it to bloody step forward, blah, 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 blah. good job, Nick, and then, like, <laughs> then, and then he's still flipping out afterward, and then they edit out like that, and, like, so uh, they, I, edit I was, out, they edit him, you putting, him putting you over, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's great, <laughs> so, and then, like, all that, and then, like, everybody's, like, coming off to me, like, the very first day, like, I'm still, like, like, I, I never have, like, really high confidence in myself because I was always put down, like, and just, you know, I'm not very high on myself. So, like, I go to Shake, he's, like, a very big official, and then, like, I'm, like, sort of looking at the floor, like, when I'm sort of, he, he immediately stops, he goes, Nick, I go, like, holy crap, he knows my name. Nick, look at me, look at me in the eyes, that's going to be very big when you're here. Listen, you're a effing stud, start acting like it. Oh, Is that William Regal? Uh, he was a... I wonder, I wonder if I could just say it's, it was Canyon. I don't know if I can say that. Or oh, Canyon Seaman? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, hopefully that doesn't come back to bite me. But, no, like, I, anyway, but no, like, so, yeah. like, every, and then, like, everybody's, like, congratulating me afterwards and all that, like, and then, like, at the end of the whole trial thing, like, they're secretly sneaking people into, like, the trainer's room to do stretching and all that, and, like, then we go... Um, we go into the car together, there's four of us going like, yeah, and then Patrick's the one that goes like, yeah, how weird was that stretching thing? And then like, they go like, yeah. And then it turns out the other guys weren't in it. So they're like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, so I get an email like a little bit later going like, we, we're planning on signing you, but not, uh, not like, just not now. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was giving the whole thing. Like you look like a lot of people we have and just like, but like apparently, I did everything so well that they want uh, they want to have me. And just yeah. the the amount of work I put into it, and just to see that it it happened, you know, it, it took a while for them to finally bring me in. But like the fact that I got that was probably like one of my happiest accomplishments. For like happiest first accomplishments uh, after the match with Moxley, just went nuts and then like I go backstage and they're like, yeah, that was nuts. And then like I'm seeing everything on my phone out. Apparently, I was trending on Twitter, and I just, like, I don't know how true that is, but, like... Oh, you were? Are you active on Twitter? <laughs> Not very. Great. Welcome to the club. <laughs> so, uh, uh, like, apparently, like, just hearing that, like, just, like... And, like, the thing is, I wasn't, like, a regular on TV. That was my very first TV appearance ever, and just everybody's, like, holy crap, look at... And it wasn't even a long match, I... I went toe to toe with Moxley, who, who was ranked number one in the like PWI for that year. So, like, of course, a lot of people are watching it, and like, I got to stand toe to toe with him for a bit, and then just everybody goes like, "Who's this guy? We want to see more of this guy." And just it, that was that was mind blowing. Yeah, well, those are two. Uh, he brought up something that I, you know, I never even thought of, and um, when he was talking about the guys getting brought up or not brought up. A guy having a Mortal Kombat tattoo. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about it. I never even would have thought about that. Like that, I guess you eliminate your chances of... Mm-hmm. Like, I guess they can't put that on TV with a Absolutely. dude with a Mortal well, Kombat. Well, Punk had a Pepsi one, didn't he? I think it was inspired on inspired the Pepsi, but I don't think it's the exact well, same. Similar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was yeah. also CM Punk. Okay. <laughs> well, but you know what? When he wasn't... 
he was doing dark matches at the Baltimore Arena too before yeah. Yeah. Getting, yeah. becoming C- the. CFL. I guess it's something they got. Yeah. I remember actually because I remember watching. I was there one night and he had, um, and I actually noticed the tattoo and I couldn't stop staring at it the whole time. He was a dark match. It was like maybe SmackDown or Raw or something, yeah. and my eyes wouldn't leave his arm, and I just found it distracting. But it was um, it was him versus Joey um, at the Baltimore Arena, and then also there's that Jr. Ryder versus Chavo, and oh. Jr. Ryder tore Chavo's. <laughs> Bicep out. I was there. I think we might have been next to we, each other. I did, oh, RJ did, was, did we? Yeah, RJ was there. Didn't we take a picture with Dr. D afterwards? I'm pretty sure we did, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the little flashback. Yeah. <laughs> come along on our journey. Now, <laughs> you mentioned, um, you, you know, that they said they wanted to bring you in, but they weren't ready to do it yet. They eventually did bring you in. Yes. Correct? So, it took a couple of years and, like, a couple of, like, like, a couple of lows for me in life and all that, just, like, but, like, Eventually, um, I get a call from some like this was actually I tried I took a hiatus from wrestling just because my regular life was getting screwed up. I was in accounting. I had an accounting degree. I was actually working as an auditor. The and then my job was like they would actually send me the individual stores around the Philadelphia area. They're actually based in very North Jersey, and like I pretty much go over their inventory. The work started drying up. I ran out of money. Everything was going, and then I go, like, "There's nothing going on with wrestling. I can't even get indie booking." So, I took a little hiatus, and like you know, like the fact that I took a break without permission, I got like a certain blackballing call where everybody goes, like, where he's calling up everybody and saying, "Like, don't use Nick. He's a terrible person." And then like, eventually, I just I I I find out like I just needed a break so I could find another job, and then I found another job. This is one of those long stories. Mm. I get, uh, and then while I'm working that job, I get back into wrestling, and then I get a call from somebody. It was Joey Mercury. We're, we're, he's like doing the whole RH dojo, and he goes like, "You're personally invited. Like we've heard a lot about you." Mm-hmm. I go there. I go there. I actually do very well. Whatever. And they they start prepping me for something, and I have a match on uh, Future of Honor. Mm-hmm. I guess like shortly right after that appears, I get that call. Sorry yeah, from WWE. Right? Yeah, I, I, I remember that now. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, Nick. Well, we uh, we know we haven't communicated in a while, but like, do you still want that job? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then a couple of days later, uh, like we have our first date. Aww. That's around the time <laughs> you guys met. How about that? That's, so you guys met at the ROH stage? We did not. Right? We, I actually couldn't stand him for the longest time. I really? thought his name was Henry. I made it up. <laughs> Because, what? <laughs> yeah, he was here on a show, and I was working security, so I, I saw him. So and you then, weren't working shows when you and Cody? Yeah, I became a tag uh, team. Did Vance. a couple shows, yeah. Right? Yeah. Cody Vance. You guys did a couple, so you weren't working shows then. Not yet. The I was doing security, security. so okay. I didn't actually get to meet him. Meet him because I was doing security. But a month later, I went up to um, do Ring of Honor with uh, Ken, Joe, and, and Dante and all them, and I'm shaking everybody's hand, and I go up to him, and I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Becky, you were at MCW last month, and he didn't say anything to me, and it was awkward, I'm like, oh, all right, I walked away, and I went over to Ken and all them, and I was like, I hate this guy, he's a jerk, and they're like, who, and I pointed to him, I was like, I don't know, his name's Henry, because he wouldn't tell me his name, so then, I don't remember this at all. You had a band-aid right there. It grossed me out. Oh, oh I worked I worked manual labor and I got like smacked by like a tree. So break. then, because I was also invited to the, the dojo tryout. And when I, when I saw him, I was, I was sitting with, with, uh, with Dante. And I saw him. I was like, God, not this guy. And he's like, what? I'm like, 
I can't stand him. He's just so, because I thought he was cocky, because he's good looking. Like, I thought he was being cocky. And I remember he kept buzzing around me, and I was talking to Dante, and he knows I hate being interrupted. And as I'm talking to him, he just cuts right in and goes, do I smell bad? <laughs> and I walked away. Whoa! I look at him like, I was, to, I was talking to Dante. Like, for some reason, I had a weird, uh, I thought I smelled bad. Just Because, like, like, they bitched at this one kid for smelling bad at the previous Ring of Honor camp. So I'm like, okay, I got to make sure I smell. Because okay. I'm covered in hair, so I go like, okay, I got to make sure nothing's trapped in there. Of course, like, of course. Because if there's any kind of weird, musty smell, they're blaming me. Yeah, like, yeah. So, you, so the... Do I smell bad wasn't a way to kind of get her attention. You were seriously wondering if you smelled <laughs> yeah, bad. You cut me off. I was yeah. talking to you. You literally walked in front of me. So then when we all got picked and we had like our breakfast club moment where we all had to sit around and like tell our story, he told his story and I realized he's not a jerk. He's just like introverted. And you don't expect that from someone who's huge and dominating and like good looking. You expect him to know that. And he, he just, he didn't. So I took... What I took as being cocky was just him being, like, shy. Aww. So we all exchanged numbers. And I remember for the longest time, like, he would text me, and it was funny. And I'm like, this guy's really funny. So I invited you to a birthday party. And I went up, and I started talking to you. Hi, Nick. I'm really happy you're here. You didn't even look at me. You just looked forward. <laughs> a birthday like, party here, like an MCW yeah. birthday party? So I was convinced he gave my number to someone else. Yeah. And then I was texting somebody else because he was funny on text. But he wouldn't look at me and talk to me. So the introvert, I liked her at that point, and I still kind of, like, spit out words when I was around her. Ah. But he was so funny in text. Like, he was making me cry. I was like, this guy's funny. But he wouldn't look at me when I was trying to talk to him. No, at that point, did you know his name wasn't Henry? (laughs) (laughs) When was the point that you realized he was not Henry? Um, When I wrapped his match. (laughs) Oh, your name's Nick. You mean when I beat up Rob? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God, I was so pissed off at Rob that day. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. And how long ago was that? You guys have been, because you guys have been together for a little while now. Mm, we got together in 2018. That was September, and then mm-hmm. like uh, like, and then we made it like official in October. Yeah, then... so 2018 we've been together. So then you went off to NXT, I guess, and then unfortunately you were part of the the releases. You were part of like the pandemic, right? Yeah. Like Leo too. Like Leo too. That's when he got cut. It was. Mm-hmm. We well, both went to Florida yeah. for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. It turned out, but how, so how long were you there, I guess, were you training? Were you doing house shows and stuff like that? I, I was on the road loops, and I was, I was pretty much, I was getting a lot of work, and I was getting a lot of training, so, like, right. it, it wasn't a waste, like, yeah, no, not at all, absolutely I, I actually, like, Norman Smiley is, a, like, what people say about him is true, like, I learned so much in, like, the past year, and, like, I, like, I'm a lot more confident in my skills mm-hmm. in the ring, and just, like, you know, I made more money than I ever made in a job and I did it to like train with wrestling and go do shows and like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, it's all part of the journey. There's thousands of guys in wrestling that would love to be signed to WWE and train with them every day for a year. You know what I mean? It's you were getting paid to get to, you know, career advancement and get on the job training. So obviously it led to you know, things happen they really things do really happen for a reason. They do. So, they one percent yeah. do. You know, and you, and yeah, you guys, because you were down in Florida for a little bit, and, you know, it's always when people leave and come back, it's always like, hey, it's, 
it's great that they're doing it, but it sucks that we're losing somebody. <laughs> so like when you, so when you were coming back, we're like, it sucks that she's coming back, but it doesn't really suck that she's coming back because we're happy to have well, her Well, I, I think I can speak on behalf of all the birthday party crew that we were happy that you were coming back because that meant the crockpots were coming back. And also the so. shows. Yes, the shows <laughs> and too. the shows yeah. too. So for those of you don't know, who don't know, Becky takes care of keeping everybody happy and fed backstage <laughs> when we are here working hard all day. So, you know, what, like Dan said, we, while we were sad, we also were like, what's for dinner? <laughs> so, and on that note we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to hear about some other things outside of wrestling and some more about Becky and Nick thank you stay with us alright so we're back and um, Nick one of the uh, one of the first times I guess you wrestled for us was probably around seasons beatings was it 2016 it was a interesting a match that you had you and Preston Vance Who's, who's now 10 in the Dark Order. And uh, you guys teamed up against MJF and Malcolm Moses. So interesting. It just goes, this was actually a, a pre-show match that you guys did in 2016. And here, five short years later, all four of you guys in the match are under contract. Um, three of you with uh, AEW and one with Ring of Honor. Um, was that one of your first matches with us? Uh, yeah. I think that might have been my very first match with you guys. Was it? I might, I'm trying to think if I ever did a birthday What did you get you guys? Michigan Muscle? Is that what you yeah, were working he, he's yeah. from he's from Michigan. So I like, think I announced we, this. We, we used to always, like, bust uh, Vance's, uh, like, we used to bust Vance for being, like, the 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 little country time kid because he's from, like, such a small town in Michigan where it's, like, he said it would be, like, like, only a couple hundred people, then 20 miles of nothing, then another small town, and it's just like, yeah, pure white meat baby face over here, like, Preston Vance, and then so, like, so when we came in, I go, like, I don't, there's nothing great about Jersey, so, like, yeah, we're Michigan muscle, it also sounds better. Now, was that, was, like, how long had you been wrestling at that point, were you? Uh, about... Oh, like about five years. Five years. Had you been getting out and doing other indies at that point, or this was kind I, of just I was, branching I was out? Trying, but this yeah. is where you were just kind of getting yeah, out. Yeah, this is like the first time. Like this is one of the first times I was able to like do something outside with my uh, training center. Yeah, MJF. He's doing pretty good for himself, huh? Yeah. Still wearing the same scarf too. <laughs> it's his signature. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he got that scarf over. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. About to say he never needed to change. Right. <laughs> well, it's a legendary print. It's perfect. Yeah. Right. It's know, perfect. So. Yeah. No, I mean like his whole demeanor, the way he acts, like the way the way he does stuff. He never needed to change. So like. Yeah. If it works, it works. works. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, I'm over there wearing this bright orange stuff, and like <laughs> I got told to stop doing that. That's all right, man. You were just finding yourself. You had yourself. the robe and, like, the cape and the robe and everything. Like, I remember. Yeah, I I invested a lot, and they just told me to, I was just told to stop doing that. Like, uh... And you had the burlap, too, correct? I had, yeah. Like, the burlap they liked. Like, okay. The, like, with the Ring of Iron Trials, they like, I just really don't get this thing you're doing. And, like, it always got to me. Just, I picked, I picked the name and, like... I picked a name off of a bro science video where he was talking about like the evolution of like the lifting man and the final forms freak beast and it just he goes like you're growing hair everywhere six inch hairs at your back you know 
you got hooves instead of feet. You start seeing the vet <laughs> instead of the doctor. You just live to be big. And I go like, that sounds hilarious and sounds hilarious. I'm going to mm-hmm. start calling myself that. And I came up with bright orange because, like, uh-huh. everybody wears, like, certain colors and just bright orange. It's like a traffic cone. Like safety cone, right. It makes me stand out. So, like, if you're just, like, looking, you're just, like, that's going to grab your attention. And then, what do you know, just, like, eventually, like, people are just, like, me, the way I look, like, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And then, then we, like, I just bring a wire, kept shutting it down while I was doing the tryouts. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we came up with the, with the burlap sack thing was, uh, we had this guy, uh, Dr. Carl Martin, who was a legit psychiatrist. He owned his own practice, whatever. So we're like playing, like, I'm like one of his patients and Hey, do the, do the, what's it? Uh, Friday the 13th part two thing where he's just wearing the sack mm-hmm. over his head. So I did that. We, we did that randomly on the fly one day where I just grabbed one and we put it together and just, uh, they liked it. I started doing that. Did the sack only have one hole for the eye? Like, Friday? Yes. like, oh, yes. nice. Oh yeah. I would have loved it. Yeah. You know, because in Friday 13 part two, he doesn't have the hockey mask. He hasn't mm-hmm. gotten it yet. That's yeah. what you were doing in future or like in ring of honor. Or, yeah, yes. Um, I was future doing that at the monster factory. Like they, they, they were having me without the sack for a while with future monitor. And it's just like, I also had like it wasn't like tied on. I had a chain wrapped around it, and like yeah. and then like the doctor would take it off me and just. Mm. It reminded me a little bit of Hooded Justice from Watchmen. Oh, wasn't he a professional wrestler like too? Like wasn't that his like thing? <laughs> well, hearing about the way that it's described, it reminds me a little of Morgus the Maniac, another Maryland yeah, yeah. icon. You know, they would yeah. they would awesome. wheel Morgus down, and he'd be like in the street jacket, like biting, like you know, trying to get the folks, and then they unleash him. And then he'd go to work. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. Well, that's all. That's that's how you go through the go through the process of like trying to find yourself and figuring out kind of who you are in the mm-hmm. ring. You know, and that guy like MJF, I just I think one of the things that probably helped him is like you said, he he figured out who he was in the ring really early in his career, and so you know he's pretty much everything you see on TV right now. That's kind of kind of who he was and how he presented himself. I think he, that's the one thing. He figured out who he was kind of early. Yeah, there's a there's a term I know you know, and I know we're all familiar with it. It's called the look. And, yeah. um, Nick, you know, when I saw you on TV, that's what I saw is the look. Yeah. You know, you came out of nowhere to fight Moxley, but that really was what I would think would make him want to sink his teeth into having a match with you is the look of, like, his character and your character clashing and the same thing can be said about MJF you want to see that look that type of fighter get his just desserts or whatever whatever happens so yeah not only is it knowing finding his place but that confidence to kind of like you know that walk and that swagger that that brought y'all both to the dance and it's going to keep you there right absolutely so how's the um how's the couple thing what's it like being a couple in professional wrestling it's easy that's easy. Easy for me. It's not hard. Right? <laughs> you hear about these couples and all they do is fight. Like, we, we don't. No, what about it. being in different places at different times? You know, I know you go on the road. You know, Becky, you've gone on the road. You're working for different companies. How is that? We were actually just talking about this coming here. Yeah. I think it's easy because, like, my personality, like, it's no secret. I'm, like, 10 years older than him. 
and I'm retired from the military. So like I've had my career, I've done everything like by myself, all my deployments. I never went with like a troop of people. I just went by myself. So I'm so used to being like by myself and doing stuff for myself that I don't have to like rely on anybody, which is great because what he needs to do, he, he needs somebody that will help support him. And that's what I do for him. Like I help support him. So mm-hmm. if he needs to go somewhere, I'm like, dude, I got this. Like I'm mm-hmm. fine. Go go do what you need to do to, you know, right. for your job. I'll be home with the two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that like I think it helps that we were both involved with wrestling is just mm-hmm. I think we get it. Like I've had relationships crumble before because they couldn't handle like, oh he's he's doing all this, he has to be at this show or whatever. I need you here, but she yeah. knows what I'm going for, and like, right. she perfectly understands, like, what it takes. And so it's just... Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like, when you first get into the wrestling business, everybody will warn you, don't get involved with anybody in the wrestling business. <laughs> so, you know, you take that advice for a little bit, and then you realize just how impossible it is to have a relationship with someone not in the wrestling business. So then, you know, you're kind of like, well, you know, this works better because you do understand the demands that are placed of each other. And, you know, you both are backstage, not necessarily with the same company, but you know the atmosphere, you know the culture, and you know you can you know trust each other. So that's mm-hmm. that's huge. So it a, makes sense. A big thing about relationships is finding things in common. And when you're when you're in wrestling, you're in one hundred percent. If you're not, like it's gonna like so like you're on the road all doing all this stuff, and then you gotta go home and do something else. If it's like just a normal life, they're also. But, like, if they're also involved in wrestling, you have that one thing that's, like, both your lives in mm-hmm. common. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier. It is. Yeah, it's very passionate. And you, when <clears throat> when you're following this and, you, you know, you love it, you both have the same passion um, for something, a deep passion. And that, that kind of helps, too. Although I, I do have to say, when I said, hey, tell us about a, being a couple in the wrestling business. And she's like, oh, it's great. It's easy. And I was like... Well, I begged a different. For you guys, maybe uh, for I, me. I second that. I'm me and Tara, right not so much. Well, that is a, at, least, at least for a period. <laughs> well, that, that is a great segue into my question because although it sounds as if things are peachy with you as a couple in the wrestling industry, have either of you ever felt that you were being tested by your peers in regards to your loyalty to one another or? You're, uh, you know, um, oh, you're, you're away from oh, that. So I laugh because, like, I think when I put the stripes on, people are like, oh, she's a cop. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never, like, well, if I have, I didn't notice, but, like, I've never been hit on. And I like to think it's because I wear the stripes. <laughs> well, I bring that up because, Dan and Tara, you may, you know, have felt this, but it's almost like if you do become a couple and you're out, that kind of puts a target on either mm-hmm. your back or your girl's back. Usually like, her, because there's more guys probably in the locker room. Right, right. So And you, the guys are probably sleazier. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll get her alone oh. away from him, you know? So I was just wondering, in your walks of life, and even with you, Nick, you know, have you ever felt like someone was, like, kind of like, you know, hey, big boy, or, you know, like, you know, you're away from home tonight, so do you ever feel like you ever experienced anything like that? Uh, maybe. I just, like, uh... Becky's like, who? But like I made this like I'm with her and sure just yeah. like I'm very stubborn, I'm a rock with that, so it's like if somebody like 
like even gets a little further, it's just okay. Then I walk away. I'm like I act like I do. It's either I act completely oblivious and just get out of there, or just like I just avoid it in general. It's just kind like, of like you did Becky when you first met her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, her actions with her, you were just like, yeah, right. just <laughs> like that, Henry. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Relationships in wrestling can work if they're you know if they come from a place of mutual respect and understanding. And I think um, you know if I think back to like my earliest memories getting into wrestling, like we all saw those girls that wanted to like climb up the ladder, so to speak and things like that. So I think that that mm -hmm. like for me always kind of painted like a negative image and that was pretty public, you know what I mean? So, and hopefully things are, you know, are different now, but it seems like you guys have made, a, found a way to make it work despite working for different companies at different times and sometimes being in different States from each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I wanted to ask you, what are some things outside of wrestling that you do? Uh, you know, is your bonding experience? The Our dogs. dogs. <laughs> well, I know that I had a question about the dogs. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> then I'm going to jump ahead and ask that question before you start talking about it. Droopy and Oreo. Yeah. Who Who is their favorite? Oh my god, Droopy is <laughs> totally one hundred. Oh, is that them? Yes. Oh, I knew the answer too, but I just wanted you to tell everybody. <laughs> I was gonna say. I know. Uh, Droopy sort of bonded with me, and Oreo's bonding with her. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Oreo follows me everywhere. <laughs> they were. Do you think that's because you got Oreo when he was away? Wasn't he away when you first got him? No. No, we were. Together. Oh, we were together. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So, For probably about like two months. Okay. And that's then, what it was. That's yeah. he, was he from Florida? Oreo? Mm -hmm. Oh, we got him from Georgia. Okay. Droopy's from Florida. Yeah. Got it. Oh, fun you fact, love they, travel doggies. I know. They have accents. <laughs> Southern twang. Yeah. Right. Fun fact, yeah. they were both birthday presents for her. Aww. Oh, they were. Yeah. Oh, they were. Well, for those of us who don't know about your your fair, or your or your dogs, what breed of dogs are these? Are these, uh... The one that's mainly black, that's a Cocker Spaniel. That one we thought was going to be a Cocker Spaniel, but it's actually a Britney. Yeah, we got oh. carnied. Did you? <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes the best dogs are the mutts. Uh, you know, no, um, in my experience, he, he's not—he's not a mutt. He's a Britney spaniel. Like, uh, yeah, we just got lied to. Like, but like, thankfully we did because near us knew what a Britney spaniel I was. Never, I never knew what a Britney was. Yeah. I have no idea. It used to be a spaniel, but in 1982 they took the spaniel off because it's a pointer oh. dog, whereas a cocker spaniel is a bird dog. Okay. So I guess technically it is a spaniel, but yeah. really it, that name dropped in 1982. But he's so funny. Like, his personality, I I would never see it in a Cocker Spaniel. Mm -hmm. So now I love Britney's. Oh. They're so, they're so well, different. I love both of them. So I always appreciate it when you bring them here because I love them. Those two are best friends. Too. That's are. awesome. I was so happy when you started posting pictures of them, like, bonding when you first got them. It was so sweet. Was so sweet. Because <laughs> the older one, Droopy, would actually, like, room his ears Aww. and, like, lick them. And if he were having a nightmare, little mm -hmm. puppy... Two people come over and lay his head on him Aww, until he stops, so and then he'll go back to doing what he was doing. It's neat watching them, because I, I have two dogs, too. I have a um, Silver Lab and a German Shepherd, and my dog, my daughter conned. She carnied me into them, <laughs> too. Um, and um, obviously two different breeders, but they're like a month apart. But for me, I, I've loved what They are, too, like best buddies now. They're both like a year old. Buddies, how they, they bond, and they, you know, now they... The shepherd won't go anywhere. He won't leave to go outside unless he looks back and like, Charlie, are you coming? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's cool. Too. Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, they do. Really, yeah, yeah, it's really cool watching them. They're man, they're 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 best buddies. They won't go anywhere with with uh, out each other. So Aww. I'm a big dog person too. <laughs> so that's cool. 
I'm too forgetful to have one. Of, I guess one of the things, too, like, kind of go back to, like, the relationship working is, I guess it probably helps me because you see so many more wrestling couples um, now than you used to. Is probably the way that, too, I mean, it was kind of changing this way before, you know, everything happened and the world caught on fire, but the drop-down schedule that's not like it was, you know what I mean? Right. Like, even with, say, WCW and WWE, um, and not that AEW ever had that schedule where it was, you know, the five house shows a night and TVs and six and you're on the road and you're only home one day a week. You know, even even as we get back to um, some type of normalcy, I, I, I don't I think the house show business is going to be gone. I don't think you'll ever see it, you know, to an extent like it, it seems like we're kind of, you know, going to be a, you know, a TV type industry. You know what I mean? You'll probably have house shows here and there, but that probably has got to help a little bit. And honestly, the house shows, like, helped, like, develop you a lot. Because, let's say TV happens, and you only got, like, six minutes, and it's going to be bell to bell. And right. They, especially, like, working certain places, they're going to have everything very micromanaged. They want this, they want this. But, like, you go to a house show, you have more open reign, you get to try stuff and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, who cares? It's not a part of anything. And just, like... You were talking about, like, earlier about finding out who you are. When I was uh, in NXT, I was doing the whole Ogarelli thing, and just, like, I kept playing with different things, and I was having so much fun, and, like, I was, like, one of the, o- I was, like, one of the only guys that wasn't on TV getting reactions just because I was, like, having so much fun out there, and just, like, people said it just seemed very genuine, and just, <laughs> I learned a lot and, like, learned to loosen up just mm-hmm. by doing that, and, like, if it was, like, TV only, I'd never get I never get those reps. I would never see Absolutely. That's what we do with the birthday parties. And that's what I was yeah, just going to say. For us, that's what the birthday parties have kind of been. And, and been for us the last couple of years. We do so many birthday parties monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, our students use them to kind of go out and experiment. Like yeah, It's just exactly. a birthday party. It's 20 or 30 people the, go out and try some. The precursor some, so. to Velveteen Dream was pretty mm-hmm. Ricky. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I just thinking. <laughs> remember? Uh, yes. When he came out, I remember I was behind the little wall doing sound. And I was like, what is that? Because he had asked me. He's like, I'm going to try something I've been working on. And I was like, okay. And then, like, it fit. And I was like, oh, like, I got goosebumps. <laughs> like, I remember that. Mm-hmm. So, your layouts for the birthday parties are actually, like, that's something I've been very impressed by. Because I've seen birthday parties done other places. And it's horrible. Me too. Like, <laughs> my um, blueprint of what not to do. The, the, <laughs> the stuff with the balloons and the little Thank things you. here and there, and then just like you bring, like you bring the one little kid in for a match, like, mm-hmm. and you treat it like a show, and mm-hmm. it's it's done very well. Like, I would actually want to do those parties. Like, I've seen birthday parties where they teach kids how to clothesline, so they make oh. each kid clothesline one of your students. Oh my god, no! It's just like, like so many bumps, and then like it's just miserable. And then like you know, I went to one nearby oh, location, God. and they had a kid battle royal. Like you know how we do the balloon stop, battle royal? Stop. They had a legit kid battle. That's royal. a lawsuit. The, li- the, li- the liability insurance here is going up just talking about. Yeah, this. right. <laughs> and I remember being at it. Two kids went to the hospital, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, we don't want that." Not what we're going <laughs> to wow. do? Yeah, I Tara kind of um, Tara kind of. And RJ, I think, for a while, intentionally kept me away from birthday parties because <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I'll never forget, like, walking in, I, I can't remember why I popped in on a Saturday or something, um, but I, I, 
I trusted him. It worked out. I, I, I remember coming in on a birthday party, and I looked up in the ring, and there was this kid in the ring, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, was that when he like, lost uh, all the Rock and Bowl Express for the first that time? That was actually, <laughs> yeah, that was. And that scene, so you were distracted by the kid I got, in the ring. Yeah, yeah, I was, and I saw the Rock and Bowl Express, but I remember seeing the kid in the ring, and I was like, what's <laughs> going on here? <laughs> you know, yeah. What are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, so. Did that kid sign the waiver? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Just so we're clarifying, there's no kid wrestling matches, all right? right? right. <laughs> you can get a kid in the right. ring without having him yeah. actually wrestle. They, keep, they just feel like a million bucks. I'm going to say, <laughs> they, they, do. they keep things very professional and very safe here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so. Right on, yeah. Well, I've done birthday, party. okay. birthday parties here. I know, I know. Yeah. Well, they are. They're great. They are great, so they're like house shows. I just worry about... Um, you were hearing, like, you know, a year or two years, you were hearing a lot, like, of rumors that WWE was going to get rid of them just because they're a financial loss, usually. And that that's changed over the years. Like, there's so much content available. I think that's probably one of the reasons, if it's not a TV, it's not a TV taping, less interest in going for WWE because there's so much content, you know, mm-hmm. so much content. That's probably one of the things that hurt. Or it's kind of damaged the house show business, but now it's going to be a thing of, um, it's going to be really weird as the as the country opens back up. Some states are going to be way behind. Some, you know what I mean. It's going to. I think it's going to be a little more difficult to kind of put a figure out a touring schedule when some states are open and some states. You know, it's going to be interesting the next probably year. Yeah, kind of I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. I think that with the lack of house shows from the big ones, that the indies are going to become the house I, shows. I think and so the too. Indies are going to get in some of these big arenas. May not fill them up, but we know sleight of hand, park. A lot of those seats off make cut the arena off and happen. Yeah, they are. So I, I feel I feel like kind of bad for like a lot of like the Division One athletes that get picked up. Like, mm-hmm. like they're like you'd be surprised how quickly they get it. But like those guys aren't going through the Indies, and like, right. because like a lot of those will get picked up right away. And if they're not getting those like house show reps, like it's. It's completely different. Dark match on yeah. TVs is what they're going to have to do, I guess. But I, I agree totally with what you're saying. Like, like they have matches at training all the time. I've had so many training matches, like, like throughout the years, and nothing compares to an actual show. Right. Like, you're in there with, like, a raw audience and all that. Like, not even birthday parties, because, like, those kids are, like, they know the cheer. Like, I've worked, like, house shows where it was, like, only a couple of people out, and like nobody's making any noise, and you're trying to have a match, and then like you have a bunch of people trying to outdo each other, and it's just like, and then like stuff goes to a disaster, and you just need to be in there when it's a disaster, just to like experience it, so you don't like lose your stuff when it happens at a bigger stage, because like stuff, like stuff's gonna go wrong, and like experiences the one that doesn't freak out and keeps it going, and then like. The person who like tries to do everything perfectly, and like it, he's only wrestled on TV, he's only where everything's like like going perfect, and then the one time it doesn't go perfect, he's gonna freak out. He needs to be in those situations where everything right. goes bad. And I think that's evident. Sorry, Terry, okay. but I, I think that's evident when you talk about that and that experience. How the guys that get signed the Kevin Owens and guys like that that come up through the Indies, how fast they skyrocketed past NXT and to, like, the main roster, which is obviously because, like you're saying, coming from that with that independent experience as opposed to guys that are, like, homegrown, that they grow, that they take years, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It takes years to get them 
to a level, and that's why all those Kevin Owens and guys just kind of blow past. They get brought into NXT, and all of a sudden they're, you know... Yeah, they don't stay well, there for yeah. long. It's like with kids. You want them to fail to some degree when the stakes are low, like when they're 7, for example, versus, you know, when they're 27, having failure at their job. So, like, you know, if you something goes wrong, like you said at a house show, then you learn how to bring it back around and you learn how to fix it. If you never fail, you never learn those skills. And it's just like with a kid who never fails at something grows up to be a brat. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, but it's the same kind of thing. It's a lower stakes environment where you can learn from it. Like, even if you're told what to do and you know what mm -hmm. to do, it's entirely different to actually, like, be in there when it happens. For so, sure. like, the kid, the kid could know exactly what, like, oh, you're supposed to do this, but, mm -hmm. like, he's, he's still freaking out. Right. Like, you need to, like, yeah, nothing makes, like, no experience, yep. like right being in front of exactly. a Exactly, that's a, a learning and teachable moment. That's great. That's right. So, and um, AEW, you seem really happy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, I was telling you this before we went on the air, Jeff Jones, um, who's going to be on in a few weeks, um, one of my, my probably closest friend in the wrestling business. We've been friends now 30 years. Um, I know it must be a great company to work for because I've known him 30 years now. We met in 1991 when I started training. And uh, I've known him through a lot of jobs and a lot of companies. And he's always been really miserable <laughs> and hated everything. And he absolutely loves working. He's the happiest I've ever known him in 30 years. So I, I can tell just from him it must be a great company and a great organization to work for. I don't know what else to say. It is. Like, yeah. I've... I, I like I feel like very happy, very at ease. Like she used to like hear from me like years ago about like me like getting so frustrated and losing my mind and then just like I come home now and she goes like she just sees like a different day. Yeah, it seems like it seems like one of the things that Tony Khan, like for me from the outside looking in, um is that just as a fan that loved wrestling and had the financial ability to start it, he really kind of let the wrestlers guide the setup of the company too, not just putting the structure in place and setting it up, but actually the culture of, and, and listen to a lot of the wrestlers and people in the business about things that they didn't like about other companies or companies they had worked for, things that made them, um, feel good or feel bad about being a part of the business and he's kind of um, implemented that in his company which it seems like it's just it seems like it's a really good culture and, and um, like I said I, I can judge just by Jeff like man this I never known this guy to be mm -hmm. happy and he absolutely loves it there so yeah so very good and Becky you love working for MCW. I do. <laughs> now, how, do um, both are both of you active on social media? Do you have handles that you would like people to follow you to learn more about your journey together? I'm so bad with Twitter. So I am too. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's different. You gotta. You gotta, Once you play, I I, I, I like know. Twitter so much. I don't better like than it. Facebook. It's <laughs> like the I, news. I feel so <laughs> uneasy just because like I go like I'm supposed to be like this monster, and I I go to I like. But that doesn't sound right. And I go like, oh, let me tweet this. I go like, that sounds too funny. That's not, okay, what can I? Uh, like, I'm so, like. I'm you know, look, I think that I think that all the time, too. Like, because I'm old school. I think you have that old school the way you think. But it's so different now where it's almost like wrestling fans just accept you're just 
Right. You know, like you can turn your character on and off. Like yeah. I would always think that like you got to be a character all the time. Like it's good that you think that. Where this is where where me where I realize sometimes like yeah I think wrestling's kind of passed me by or I'm out of touch. But then I just like eh like it's like people on social media just you are what you are. You're mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you like you're overthinking it. I feel like you're you're trying to portray something and like. With social media, you just expose that you're a normal person, and you're trying to sell that these people are larger than life. Mm-hmm. It's it's very different. The only people I think that run social media like very well are the people with actual larger than life personalities. I have a buddy, like currently in the performance center, who just like he, he comes out, he plays air guitar, and he does crazy lifts, and then you go on his Instagram. He's very famous for just like screaming and then doing these insanely impractical extremely heavy lifts and then like he has this huge instagram following huge youtube following and just like he's a character and then like let's say the person doesn't like like with the stuff he posts the videos he posts you can take like like uh i'm trying to think of one of his most recent videos he just like he does this screaming like 700 pound deadlift and then just like and then he's like playing like crazy rock guitar solos and all that and then you take one of his youtube fans and you go up to him and you go like, hey, do you, like, what do you expect? Like, do you ex- expect this guy to come out, like, playing air guitar and throwing people around the ring? They go like, that's 100% what I expect them to see. Now, when you go on somebody else's social media, who's supposed to be like, you know, he's supposed to be, you know, kind of a badass, like, but then you go on his social media and it's just like him, like, hanging out, drinking with friends and like, they're like, I go like, no, Holding I, kittens. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> he's kissing kittens. What's this guy doing? <laughs> like, like I've been told, like, oh, it's a, like it's a show. Like from like certain sort of like certain sources or whatever. Like they may not be big or not. They're like, oh, they know it's a show. Like you see, like people come to like you see like these fanfares with like Marvel movies and all that. But I'm like, this is not a Marvel movie. This is not like you're not you're not like. I'm not Nick Camarado presents something else. Like I'm supposed to be Nick Camarado, and yeah. just I, I feel it's like, hard to figure out. I feel like I feel like when you show yeah. people too much, it yeah. kills a lot of what you're trying to show, and just like hasn't the weirdest thing? Yeah, just for again for me for thirty years being seen the under seeing the under the one of the weirdest things a couple weeks ago for me as I flip on and I'm like what. Undertaker on Joe Rogan, and his Undertaker was oh, on yeah. Joe Rogan, and he was just sitting down for two hours and just, but it was Mark. Yeah, you know what I mean, and talking. I was just like, that was wow. That was just, it was weird. Mm-hmm. Imagine, I had if, to if, it right imagine now. if Twitter like came out in like the late nineteen eighties or nineteen ninety one, and then just like. You're watching like Hulk Hogan like hang out with like R- R- Macho Man like backstage. Oh, it wouldn't have been the same. Listen, it wouldn't have been the same. It yeah. I, I, I would have been, I would have been heartbroken. <laughs> um, listen, when when I I tell this, I tell the story. When I started training in 1991, there was no internet, there was no social media. There was I I went into wrestling. I didn't read the sheets. I only read the wrestling magazines and watched WWF. And WCW on TV. Ninety-five percent of me thought it was a complete shoot. The five percent that had listened to my dad tell me that crap is fake, and I was like, "You don't know what you're talking about." Mm-hmm. 
Hulk Hogan drops a leg on you, brother. You ain't getting up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I, I completely, I was completely in and completely in and bought in. And when I, I remember being heartbroken when I started to learn about the business um, and learn about it. So I get it because I, I believed, man. When I, when I signed up at the wrestling school... I believed, yeah. you know, with all my heart, you know, so I only had a little bit of doubt. So. <laughs> like, also with television shows now, like, like certain characters give a certain aura that, like, you think they're so cool and all that, but then, like, you don't see that guy on social media. You see the actor playing them. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're trying to, like, portray, like, that's who we are. So I feel like the... The less we know, the less the people know, the better. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the more you expose, the more you just show that it's 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 an act, and just it's they know it's an act, but like just you, you can't you have to present it like it's real. I think I might have a solution for you. How about the Adventures of Droopy and Oreo? Oh my god! There. Done. Put them on Instagram. What's Done. that? And that's your Instagram? Yeah. 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 There, so you of... can live vicariously through them. They're adorable. They'll get lots of followers. You can interact and be your funny self, and no one ever has to know. Right now, Oreo just got neutered. Uh-huh. And oh, been, I can't do it. He's been whimpering, and he goes oh. right Oh, right stop. Back. You're making it worse. Oh, I'm see? Look at this. See? Stop. You can do this. Okay. You don't want to see this big monster guy with a straitjack with a little cocker spaniel, like, hang out. <laughs> like, that's something you can see, too, like, like. Like, you like, can do the right, puppy you, dance. Yeah, puppy you dance. could you could do it in a way that you're not in every picture. Well, well you know, I'm, like you can present it a certain way. Like if you want to present me as like a big monstrous baby, face, you <laughs> give me a little puppy, and then like well, uh, like I care about can, that puppy. We can make a little straitjacket for Droopy. Oh my gosh, and Droopy See, could be you. you. The best you part go. about like, Sarah just my cat has an Instagram too, and the best part about it is listening to. His other little cat and dog and rabbit and possum friends, he's got all species of animals he's followed Aww. by. And they interact as themselves. So, like, he's got a couple of cats named, like, Fish and Chips that follow him. Like, there's a whole bunch of different ones. <laughs> and they interact as their animal counterparts, which is the funniest thing. And they'll... I don't want to go into that world. I've got to say... Have you ever played thing. Animal Crossing? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It sounds like well, it's you, a video you, game for Nintendo. It's Sarah, you can't leave everybody hanging now. You got to give the your, you got to give your cats Instagram. <laughs> it is S'mores the uh, chunky cat. So, all right, S'mores, S'mores the, the chunky, chunky cat. cat. Not chunky. Not chunky. Right. He is beyond chunky. He is chunky. Chunky. Yeah, S'mores the chunky cat. That. So okay. with a no. With a no. Yes. Okay. So with the whole Instagram big. thing and all that, uh, like. At one point, I was posting videos of me doing stuff. Like, I figured, like, I can do that because I can do more than anybody else. And just, like, oh, hey, look, like, he actually is that monster. And, it, like, some of them were funny. And just then eventually, like, I'm like, ah, crap. Like, ah, crap. I can't, I can't, like, hold up, like, a wrestling class to do this. I can't, like, I can't take up my, I can't take up my whole gym, like, like doing this. And, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find different ideas and eventually maybe do that again. But, uh, like, the guy I was talking about that does the lifts, he has his own home gym in his garage where he does everything. Like, so I would need probably to set something up. I just feel like if you want to present yourself as something larger than life, you have to be something larger than life. 
I do remember the videos you posted. They, it, it was you in a gym, didn't have like AstroTurf or something, and you were pulling the sled, or you were doing some crazy like drill where you yeah, went all around the, the that gym. Was the, that was the Nightmare Factory. Okay, yeah. see, that I remember that. See, that's the kind of stuff that, that would be a good avenue for you. And I, I get what you're saying about that totally, man, even as a grown man, because I tell you, <laughs> I made the fatal mistake. I was really big into The Walking Dead for a couple years. Oh, God. And when uh, Negan busted up, there was a big punk, you know, where Negan went totally heel and, like, um, Glenn, and um, he killed Glenn, bashed his head in with mm -hmm. a barbed wire bat with a axle When he had them all lined up there on their knees, yeah. Yeah, but then that night, they did an episode of The Talking Dead, and, like, Glenn walked out on stage with me yeah. again afterwards, and I was like, and I had, I had got done watching, then I like went and got something to eat and came in. I like flipped back on the TV, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, like he's dead. What's he doing sitting there talking? Oh, and it was yeah. like Talking Dead. It yeah, came yeah, on afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they had Glenn, and I it. It ruined it for me, man. Like, it ruined... I was like... And I started losing interest after that. Well, they that, did that so always. Did. Whoever got eliminated that... I know, but I had never I watched it. I had oh, never watched okay. it. And I flipped on... I just flipped the TV back on. and was like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> you know? And it really took me out of the moment. I watched yeah, it, it took me out of the moment. I liked it for that aspect. Because I always I felt like that, when, they, yeah. when they killed someone off, I was always... Like, I always felt know? like, yeah. you know, um, it was so abrupt. And, like, I wanted more. And so I liked The Talking Dead because it would give you... You got to talk... They, they got to bring them back from the dead and you could yeah. talk to them. <laughs> so, like, that was still a television show. And that was, like, a different show afterwards, like, where everything is. Like, professional wrestling is, like... It's that plus Twitter and all that. Like you, I right. feel like it still needs to be professional professional wrestling on Twitter. It would like what you're explaining right now would be like, you know, Negan killing Glenn and then Glenn getting up like after the like door right. the show and going mm -hmm. like like uh, hey we're right. friends like yeah right <laughs> yeah I get it I'm with you you know believe me I'm with you I just think we're in a we're in an area that we're in a time that it's so weird, kind of. It's like it's, it's expected to, of you to expected. be active on yeah. social media, but also there's lots of reasons why people don't want to. And like you've raised very valid points about, you know, how do you convey your character and still be you? Well, you know? speaking of the indies. That's right. Larry, what time is it? It's time for one of my favorite parts of any MCW cast. It's time for general manager of MCW Pro. Bill Stamper to fill us all in. Hey everyone, my name is Phil Stamper. Great to be back with you with another independent wrestling roundup. Two quick things. First, I was outdoor all weekend for Camp Leapfrog, so you see a little bit of sun, and my voice is pretty raw. So we're going to get through this together. It's all going to be great. Have a lot of events coming your way. Let's go ahead and start with what's happening over on IWTV. Uh, IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. They also have an app available for iOS and Android devices. Tonight, a brand new episode of New South's Action Clash. On Wednesday, new episodes of Limitless The Road and Paradigm Pro's UWFI Contender Series. This is actually the start of their second season of the UW, UWFI Contender Series. Then over on Thursday on IWTV, Beyond Wrestling's Signature Series and Southern Underground Probe present brand new episodes and on sunday new events from sean henderson and hardcore hustle organization as well as iwtv and butch versus gore working together for a brand new event again all that over on iwtv.live then on fight tv 
New episodes already out this week from Ring of Honor and SWA Championship Wrestling. Tonight, brand new episodes from NWA Power, Rocky Mountain Pro Charged, and Gato Move. Then on Wednesday, WrestleBration and Catalyst Pro. And on Thursday, SWE Fury out of Texas. Other live action that you can see tonight, um, Pro Wrestling 225 streaming only on their Facebook page out of Mississippi. Uh, on Thursday, WWA4 out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, on uh, Out of Rhode Island, Extreme Wrestling Alliance out of Tennessee. 127 Pro Wrestling out of West Virginia, International Combat Sports. Then on Friday, um, out of Georgia, we have Platinum Championship Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Caribbean, as well as Lariato Pro Wrestling Guild. Out of Indiana, Supreme Wrestling out of Tennessee, Resolute Wrestling, Southern Wrestling Federation, out of Texas, Gulf County Wrestling Alliance, and Smash Mouth Wrestling. Um, then out of West Virginia, we have Appalachian Ch Championship Wrestling. Then on Saturday, out of Alabama, we have Pro South Wrestling, out of Arkansas, Revolutionary Wrestling Entertainment, as well as South Central Wrestling, out of Australia, Australian Wrestling Federation, out of Arizona, Venue Wrestling Entertainment, out of Colorado, Renegade Championship Wrestling, out of Delaware, DCW, out of Florida, Florida Golf Championship Wrestling and Original Championship Wrestling, out of Georgia, Anarchy Wrestling and Lariato Pro for their second evening. Um, then out, oh, also out of Georgia, Southern Wrestling Association, out of Illinois, um, Underdog Championship Wrestling, out of Indiana, Asylum Wrestling Revolution, out of New Jersey, Monster Factory Pro Wrestling, uh, Superstars Wrestling Federation, um, and then two events um, from a combination of different promotions coming together, 1CW, Apex Wrestling, Northern Tier, Rope to Rope, and Signatures Pro Wrestling. Out of South Carolina, Three Count Pro. Out of Tennessee, Innovate Wrestling. Out of the United Kingdom, uh, in Insane Championship Wrestling. Out of Tennessee, uh, Tennessee All Pro Wrestling, Tennessee Wrestling Alliance, TWE Chattanooga Returns. And then out of Texas, uh, Pro, uh, Metroplex Battleground Wrestling out of uh, West Virginia. Also out of West Virginia, National Championship Wrestling. And out of Wisconsin, Great Lakes Championship Wrestling. Then this Sunday, uh, action from New South out of Alabama, out of Delaware, Delaware Championship Wrestling, uh, out of Georgia, uh, Georgia Independent Professional Wrestling, out of Indiana, Asylum Wrestling Revolution, um, out of Indiana, also JICW, um, out of Min Minnesota, Midwest All-Stars Wrestling, out of North Carolina, Rapid Wrestling Federation, out of North Dakota, Time Bomb Pro, Time Bomb Pro, streaming directly to YouTube, out of South Carolina, streaming only, um, Pro Wrestling Union, out of Tennessee, No Limit Pro, and School of Morton. So a lot of action heading your way this coming week. Thank you so much for bearing with me and my wonderful voice this week. I hope you're having a wonderful time. All right. Well, once again, Phil, letting us know the skinny mini, as it is, with the world of indie wrestling. Uh, I imagine he's going to have a lot more adding to the calendar as warm weather opens up and more states open up. And each week he gives us a little bit more insight into what is happening all around. And i got to be honest, a lot of these companies that he rattles off, I've never heard of before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well... Well, it's you know, a lot out there. He's pretty. Yeah. He's pretty well versed on yeah, the independent scene. Yeah, I consider myself well versed as well. Yeah, you um, are. Speaking of being well versed, how about that Leo Mania announcing uh, defending the MCW Rage title against Enzo, uh, who's uh, you know stepped here in MCW a time or two. Um, yeah, when's that? When is that happening? I believe it's going to be the first week of April. I think it, I'm pretty sure it starts on April the 5th. Now, last year, uh, for those of you who don't know, Leo Mania was uh, Leo's way of giving back to all of the wrestlers who would not be able to participate in Mania. 
weekend. The Mania weekend. Yeah, he um, he had all of us on his Instagram live, and he was still the WWE under contract, you know, superstar at the time. But he did a full week of taking, you know, folks that were looking to probably get some pretty significant paydays um, that first week of April last year, and he had them on his on his uh, Instagram and had all of his fans that would normally be talking to him, like, who is Larry Legend, you know, and um, just talking to people. So I guess he's expounded on it this year, and now Enzo and he are going to be fighting, and they're going to be fighting for the MCW Rage title. So that's exciting. Well, hopefully he holds on to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, he better hold on to it, yeah. Or else uh, we'll have to send someone not, out. If not, I can see two yeah. potential podcast guests coming up in our future. Right. right. <laughs> so while it looks like... Um, I guess uh, there's a lot of shows open back up this WrestleMania week. Um, yeah, a lot of shows opening back up, a lot of shows taping. Again, Phil is always mentioning, shouting out Fight TV and IWTV, the two streaming services that are kind of geared towards combat sports. And, um, I mean, weekly, there's new content that's dropping on IWTV, whether it's Camp Leapfrog or Violence and Suffering or, uh, you know, ICW, and same thing with Fight. So, yeah, it's just a plethora of stuff to, to watch and absorb and stuff that's actually ongoing right now. So, Do either of you two have any uh, indie companies that are on your radar that you see doing big things right now? Any favorites? You were kind of getting out there a little mm-hmm. bit, Becky, before, I guess, before everything's kind of shut down, started to work for a lot of indies. Are you working any other dates with anybody or Not really. nobody nobody that you've really worked for is kind of open back yeah. up? Yeah, I, I don't I don't yeah. feel safe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was with Evolve before they got bought out. Right. So then, like after that, I haven't really been doing much with Indies. And they, I guess, they just shut it down. Did it? Did mm-hmm. WWE didn't just buy the library, right? Did they kind of buy Evolve? So it is funny that you mentioned that because I heard a rumor for the first time ever today that Evolve as a brand was going to be revitalized as a network only. Offering, um, not necessarily resuming where Evolve, the company, left off. I think there was a lot going on with Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake, um, uh, but not leaving off with the storylines, but just the brand Evolve uh, coming back to the network as a network-only exclusive show. Now, I hadn't heard anything about this until it was brought up to me, so I was like, what? Evolve's coming back? Are you serious? And they're like, well, WWE owns it. Um, and it did kind of have a legacy, or was building a legacy. Uh, I was a part of it at one point for a cup of coffee, and um, you know, <laughs> Becky, you were—that's where you had landed. So it definitely had a, a, a legacy that you can watch now on the WWE Network. And you got to imagine some fans are probably like, "Well, whatever happened to Evolve? I used to love these matches." Um, and so Gabe, Gabe's working for the WWE. Isn't he, he works for the World Wrestling Entertainment yeah. now, um, down down in Florida. So, gotcha. So, yeah, interesting. So. They might possibly be bringing it back. I yeah. guess we'll see as things come. And, and you know that would kind of. Yeah, I would want to know. Well, if you're going to bring it back, are you going to bring back any of the legacy players? Because I mean, Becky, you were there. I was there. Lenny Leonard was there. You know, so how how does that figure so out? Have you, know? you had any? Have you had promoters like that are opening back up call you, or you're just not really in a comfortable position? I have. I yeah. have had people uh, reach out to me. Um, it's what? around us, like in this, like Virginia, Pennsylvania. We're still all kind of. We're all, all, all these states around are still kind of just, like, dipping their toes in. Like, yeah. I think mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, I heard it's, you can do a show, but it's 10 or 15% capacity for uh, an inside show. 
So, I mean, the last I heard about the state of Pennsylvania was that they came down hard on GCW for doing that 24-7. Oh, did um, they? So, so what happened was that the, the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission was like, hey, 53K, where's our cut? Oh, did they really? That's this is. Oh, yeah. I'm, I didn't I, hear that. I they thought, went after yeah. the tax money. They oh, yeah. They came after. They came after the promoter for GCW after really? he said we we and and here now, guys. I don't mean to spill hot tea here, but <laughs> from what I understand, uh, that promoter then said, "Well, what about all the rest of the companies that are doing closed door tapings in the state of Pennsylvania? Are you going after them too? Because I know I'm not the only company that's doing a show. His was in Philly, and it was 24 hours." But I know that up in Scranton, there were some shows that were being filmed. I know here and there, there were shows well, being filmed. Well, fair is fair. Fair is fair. Right. So he didn't really yeah. blow the whistle and make it harder for anyone. But he did uh, because he had to pay up. So a lot of people have ran to Jersey as kind of being the last place where you can do like a closed door taping and not have to worry about, I don't even think Jersey has an athletic commission or if they do, they don't they care don't. about they're wrestling. Not, they're not regulated. Yeah. So, not regulated. so, but uh, the gold mine, as mm-hmm. Phil has said, and I have you know, I know personally is Florida is where the shows are happening. You know, um, I'm sure Leo and Enzo are probably going to be fighting in Florida. And, you know, the MLW tapings are in Florida. And my ICW shows in Florida. Mania's in Florida. The Performance Center is Florida. So that's really kind of the first state. So I guess we better pack up our bags and head on down to the Sunshine State for our next MCW. I'm just going to hang out here. Okay, you can, you can hold down the fort here. Yeah, I'm just... We're Florida, getting close. We're getting close. We're edging. We're um. We're edging closer and closer. Well, it's kind of funny. I'm just going to call this out, okay? And I don't mean to add a little controversy to the cast, but Becky has a legacy Maryland MCW hoodie on, and of course, I have you know the rebranding of MCW. And I remember when this change first happened. I was kind of you know I felt like that us touting Maryland. Uh, kind of was like a throwback to the old territory days. Now, we never said that the M in MCW Pro doesn't stand for Maryland. Right. But, you know, I... I it's, ca- it's subtle. Yeah, you know, you know, it's it's more subtle. Um, yeah, it was definitely a shift from the, you know, from the to the blue and silver away mm-hmm. from the Maryland flag colors of the red and the gold and the black and the but, white. Yeah. Well, we just, we did that, obviously, because mm-hmm. things going online and having stuff on YouTube... And I'm also, like, running out of state. And I, it would be, I felt like I was being um, interrogated doing shows in, like, Virginia and Delaware. And then sure. you have shows and people be like, why is Maryland Championship Wrestling in Delaware? Why is Maryland Championship Wrestling in West Virginia? And I, you we know, well, the- because, you know what I mean? It was like, I kind of, like, so, yeah, that's yeah. all it's like. Yeah, like, why do I got to answer these questions? We're yeah. trying to promote a wrestling right. show. But I mean, so it makes sense as more of, you know, as we're not just tied locally to one arena, you know, and being out there. Well, well the thing about it is, though, is I don't think that any, any indie now touts its state. Like, I think right. that that is a, like, there's a thing of the past, and I kind of don't like that because that there is no Jersey Championship Wrestling anymore. There is no Jersey All-Pro Wrestling. And I used to like uh, that kind of like uh, the home team. Um, but what I'm saying in the point of this whole diatribe is that now that we're MCW Pro, I mean, we could definitely go to Florida and do our show because we're not Maryland champions. Uh, you know, like, so I, I, I think that that, 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 you know, is, yeah, we might as well, you change the name and now we're MCW Pro, let's, 
Let's put that flag down in Florida. Dennis, open up the checkbook. <laughs> well, you can help. Okay. I asked a cup of coffee. Right, yeah. 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 I'll start a campaign. Kimberly Clayson, she inspired me. Let's start a campaign and get ourselves to Florida. Right. We need a lot of cups of coffee to get an MCW to Florida. <laughs> yeah. But, um, hey, this is this about wraps our time up. Yes, indeed. And uh, so Nick and Becky, our first um, couple's guests. Yeah. Couple Not our first two guests at the same time because we had. But first couple. First couple, right. right. Yeah. And what a delight you both were. Yeah. We <laughs> obviously appreciate you guys um, and love having you guys. Yeah. So we hope to have Becky around for a long time. Even though we'll, <laughs> we'll probably lose her eventually. She's too, too talented not to. Not to be taken away from us. And that will be a joyous and kind of a sad occasion, but yeah. there'll just be oh, one in a long lineage of folks that have gone on from the halls of MCW to greater success. And Nick, you're a part of that that team as well. So And so is Henry. Alright, thanks guys. Yeah, we'll see you next Tuesday at 8 for another edition of the MCW Cast.